you're about to enter into a new world of knowledge, curiosities, and high strangeness. This is a podcast of Straight Up Strange Productions. In the 1930s, flying creature haunted Maryland, one whose name became almost synonymous with freakish beings. And 30 years later, another animal, one which was connected in some people's minds to the previous one. These are most of the original accounts of these two creatures as described in the newspapers. I'm Andrew Gable, and this is episode 72, The Dwayo and the Snallygaster. Arthur Matchin once wrote that strange things are lost and forgotten in obscure corners of the newspaper. Welcome to Forgotten Darkness, a podcast that will aim to prove that that statement is true. Frederick News, November 29, 1965. What is about six feet tall, has feet like a doll, a big bushy tail, and is black. If you say a bear or some other well-known animal, you could be wrong. But if your answer was a dwayo, then your answer would be exactly right. Just this type of animal or thing is reported loose in Frederick County, at least according to a report filed with state police. John Becker called a newspaper, which in turn contacted the local state police, informing them that he had a fight with a dueo in his backyard Saturday. Becker, who said he resided along the Fern Rock Road about 10 miles from Frederick, no direction given, reported he was attacked by the dueo and had to fight the beast off. Sergeant Clyde B. Tucker of the local state police said as far as he knows, there is no such thing as a dueo, there is no such place in Frederick County known as Fern Rock Road, and no one by the name of John Becker can be found. The police officer said he had to write up a report on the Dwayo incident, because if he didn't, sure enough, some hunter would call the police barracks saying he had just killed one. For any hunters in search of deer or other game about 10 miles from Frederick, police have no instructions on what steps to take when confronting a Dwayo. No one actually knows that there is such an animal or thing as the Dwayo, but if there is, and there is always a chance, as soon as the Russians hear about it, they will claim they had it first. Frederick News, December 1st, 1965. The mysterious Dwayo is apparently still roaming loose over the hills and valleys of Frederick County. Or at least the six-foot-tall monster with a big bushy tail is, in the minds of many of this county's residents. Since the first story about the Dwayo appeared in Monday's paper, the rangy black beast has been sighted by a hunter. The Dwayo, which no one seems to know anything about, came to light in a recent story from a man identified as John Becker, who said he fought the Dwayo in his backyard. 
State police have not been able to find a John Becker in Frederick County or a Fern Rock Road, the address given by Becker. Since the story of the Dwayo appeared, some residents of the area have become alarmed. Is this really true? A man asked on the telephone. I'm concerned, thinking this monster could be roaming around loose in Frederick County, he added. A Frederick man, obviously not worried about a Dwayo, said, I think the person who called that story in must have been getting into the holiday spirits a little too soon. A Buckystown man was in agreement with another man questioned when he said, Seems to me that the Becker man who said he had fought the animal must have been hitting the bottle more than anything else. Another Frederick man asked about the Dwayo said, Yeah, I heard about the Dwayo. It reminds me of the Snowy Gaster that I used to hear about. For those not in the know, a Snowy Gaster is supposed to be a mythical nocturnal creature, half reptile and half bird, which preys on children and poultry. The Snowy Gaster is thought to have originated in Middletown Valley. A Point of Rocks woman called the local state police several nights ago and asked, Is the thing still loose? I was planning a trip to Frederick, but if that thing is still loose, I'm not leaving home. Another Frederick man called the paper and said that while hunting around Middletown, he thought he might have seen a dwayo. My dog started chasing something, and I saw that it was black, but I didn't think too much of it, believing it was a dog or maybe even a bear, the man said. However, after reading the newspaper article, I'm not too sure it wasn't a dwayo. It trod at something like a horse. I don't know what it was, but I'm going looking for it this week. A Mountaindale woman said she knows there is no such thing as a dwayo, but enjoyed the story. A four-year-old Frederick boy said he knows there is such a thing. I've seen lots of them, the youngster said. When asked where, the boy looked around and with a sweeping motion of his arm said, Everywhere. Frederick News, December 2nd, 1965. The city police went to a basement to get themselves a dwayo. But when they got there, the basement was bare and the dwayo had gone away Or at least there was no dwayo found last night when police went to a house on the airport road in search of the mysterious monster. City police received their first call about 9 p.m. on the mysterious dwayo, which is said to be tall and black with a big bushy tail. The caller said he had captured a dwayo about a year ago and was keeping it in his basement. It looks just like the picture in the paper, the man said, only his dwayo must have been a baby since it was only two feet long and not six feet tall as was previously reported. Police went to the address given by the caller, but the man there said he did not call the police and he had no dwayo in his basement. The call was apparently made by a prankster. An Ellerton woman called the newspaper this morning and reported hearing what, may, what might have been a dwayo about several months ago in the mountains near her home. It cried like a baby and then screamed like a woman for months. All our neighbors heard it, the Ellerton woman said. My husband tried to look for footprints, but none could be found. The woman suggested that a dwayo hunt in that area might turn up the mysterious creature. A Frederick man said today that the dwayo his in-laws saw around Middletown, if it was a dwayo, did not look like the picture in the paper, but more like a big dog. This same man said that he had heard that there is a Fern Rock Road in Frederick County, contrary to public, published reports that there was no such road. Fern Rock Road was named by John Becker, who called in the first report of the Dwayo. He said he had battled the monster in his backyard Saturday night. The Frederick man said that the Fern Rock Road is just a small dirt road, 
located somewhere near the entrance of Gambrel State Park. He said he thought there might be some connection between the Dwayo and a large bear, which frightened a Cumberland couple earlier this year. The black bear, or what appeared to be a bear, had charged the couple's car in which they were resting. The car was parked in a picnic area off US 40A at Braddock Mountain. A search of the area by police failed to turn up any bear, however. A, re failed a search of the area by police failed to turn up any bear. However, a resident of the area said the animal was probably his poodle dog, which had been mistaken for a bear several times. Frederick News, December 3, 1965. It had to happen sooner or later. With all the talk about the mysterious Dwayo going around, someone had to tie in the legendary Snowy Gaster. The Snowy Gaster and the Dwayo could be connected by birth. A Burgettsville resident said the Snowy Gaster lays eggs which hatch every 20 years. The eggs should be hatching just about now, he said, and the Dwayo could actually be a Snowy Gaster. For those persons too young to remember the Snowy Gaster, the Snowy Gaster is said to have originated in the Middletown Valley area, Middletown Valley area in the early 1920s. A Snowy Gaster, according to Webster's Third New International Dictionary, is a mythical nocturnal creature, half bird and half reptile, chiefly reported in rural Maryland, which preys on children and poultry. The exact origin of the Snowy Gaster remains unknown but some reports indicate that the creature came into being to scare moonshiners around the Middletown area. George C. Roderick, Jr., publisher of the Valley Register, Middletown's weekly newspaper, said his father published reports about the creature after word of the Snowy Gaster began spreading in the Middletown Valley. Most every paper in the county carried reports on Snowy Gaster sightings, and each article played up the creature a little bit more than the previous article. The Snowy Gaster sightings died down in the late 1920s, but was revived again in the 1930s by the Middletown paper, more or less as a reminder. This set people to thinking again, and of course, more Snowy Gasters were seen, not only in the Middletown area, but all over Frederick County. The Middletown paper finally stopped the Snowy Gaster tales when it published a story saying the winged creature had drowned itself in a moonshiner's mash barrel in the mountains. When the Snowy Gaster was enjoying its most publicity, there were innumerable sightings reported, not only by residents of the area, but by travelers, cross, but by travelers crossing Braddock and South Mountains. It was so bad at one time, Roderick said, that children were never seen on the streets when it began to get dark, and many adults themselves refused to leave their homes at night. So old Snowy Gaster, move over. A challenger has arisen to attempt to take over as the mysterious creature ever to roam Frederick County. The challenger, of course, is the tall, black, mysterious Dwayo which is being seen and heard throughout the county. The Dwayo could become this area's most famous monster. Frederick News, December 6, 1965. Oh, where, oh, where has the Dwayo gone? No one seems to know at this time. However, students anxious to find out are organizing a Dwayo hunt. The first Dwayo hunt, to be held Wednesday night, came to light when one of the students at Frederick Community College said he signed up for the hunt on a paper which was on the college's bulletin board at Frederick High School. So far, between 50 and 100 students have signed up to participate in the hunt this Wednesday, but the time of the hunt is still unknown. 
Duval W. Swedner, president of the college, said he thinks the hunt is a hoax. Apparently starting at Frederick High School, no one knows who started the Dwayo hunt or where it is to take place. The student who told us of the hunt said, I don't know anything about it, except I'm planning on being there Wednesday night. A letter was received at the news today, signed by John Becker, the man who started the Dwayo story last week, saying he had to fight with the beast. Becker said in the letter that he had used a fictitious name in reporting on the Dwayo because he wants to remain anonymous. The letter bears a Jefferson postmark. Becker said, Becker said there is no Dwayo as such, but he called it that because he didn't know what the creature was. He explained again about how he had fought the creature Saturday in the backyard of his home. It was as big as a bear, Becker said, had long black hair, and growled like a wolf or dog in anger. Becker said he fought the animal until it fled into the woods and that his wife and children saw the incident. He ends his letter saying, In the best interest of the public, I suggest there to be a search party organized to hunt the creature and destroy it before it really hurts someone. As the mystery about the Dwayo continues, three Myersville children have compared the beast likeness to that of an Irish wolfhound. In a letter to the paper, Michael Whittier, 11, and Richard Lee Ropp, 11, said they have done research on the Dwayo and find that it looks like the Irish wolfhound. The boys said the Dwayo could actually be a mad wolfhound or a cross between a dog and a wolf. On the same theme, Linda Doyle, 13, daughter of Mr. and Mrs. Emery C. Doyle Sr. of RFD1 Myersville, said a picture in the World Book Encyclopedia of an Irish wolfhound resembles a Dwayo. A young Frederick boy, apparently worried about the Dwayo, said he thought the paper was just making up the Dwayo stories so children would be good until Christmas. After Christmas, the youngster said, the paper would probably say that, that the Dwayo was drowned or killed somehow, ending the stories. Frederick News, December 8, 1965. Dwayos watch out. The hunt is on and the hunters mean business. The first Dwayo hunt in the county is scheduled to get underway about 5 p.m. in front of Frederick High School. No one seems to know how the hunt originated or where it will lead, but between 50 and 100 students of the Frederick County College have signed up to participate in the hunt. The hunt may not may not have come too soon because a Dwayo, or something like it, was seen Tuesday afternoon by a Jefferson area woman. The letter received earlier this week from John Becker, who fought the Dwayo, was postmarked Jefferson. The woman who called state police about 3.30 p.m. yesterday said she saw a dog-shaped animal about the size of a calf chasing some cows on her farm. She asked if there was such a monster as the Dwayo, and added that the thing she saw appeared brownish in color, and it was something she had never before seen in the area. Trooper Carl A. Harbaugh, who went to the area to investigate, said he found nothing there. A second grade class at the North Market Elementary School sent a letter to the news asking if the monster story is true. Some think the story is, others say it isn't, while others are just plain scared. Another letter was received last week from four students at the University of Maryland. The letter was prompted after they and several others had read about the Dwayo in the Frederick Papers. J. Christopher Trey, one of the signers, is from Frederick. Trey, 18, is the son of Mr. and Mrs. Edward Trey of Eastview and is a 1965 graduate of Frederick High School. He's a freshman at the University of Maryland and is in pre-engineering. Jason Rubin, 19, 
is from Baltimore and a sophomore majoring in stagecraft. Alan Rosenfeld is also 19, a sophomore, and is majoring in pharmacy. He resides in Baltimore. James A. McWhirter, 20, is a sophomore from Baltimore and majoring in government and politics. In the letter, the four students say they have only ever seen four dwayos on the Maryland campus. However, they have seen signs of many more. The teenagers say they have investigated the origins of the dwayo and find it as a cross between the dway and the yell. According to the researchers, the dway is an animal which inhabits the left bank of the upper Amazon River in South America, and the yell is an animal which emigrated from the lower valley of the Yangtze River Plateau across the glacier bridge which connected what is now known as China and Alaska. The yeos settled along the west coast of the United States, the students say, and intermarried with the friendly dway to form what the paleontologists call the Dwayosapien Therapsida Australopithecus rexus. The student said the animals speak in the, an the animal language of the Amazon with a slight Chinese accent with mongrel overtones. The Dwayos are also happy-natured and fun-loving animals, according to the young men. Frederick News, December 9, 1965. The mysterious Dwayo is apparently still on the loose in Frederick County. A Dwayo hunt scheduled for last night was a complete flop. No one knows why the hunt didn't materialize, but some have said that fear itself kept the mighty hunters of Frederick Community College from the hunt. The hunt came to light earlier this week when between 50 and 100 students at the college signed up to participate in the Dwayo hunt. Scheduled for 5 p.m. Wednesday, several people went to Frederick High School where the hunt was supposed to begin, but nothing happened. A student at the college said too many students had classes at the time. A Frederick man said that at about 9 p.m., however, a pickup truck full of boys, some with helmets and waving machetes, was seen on West 7th Street. The man said he didn't know if they were out hunting dwayos, but that they were shouting and making a good bit of noise. Meanwhile, it appears that the dwayo can roam the countryside at will, because a dog license tag has been issued for the animal, beast, or whatever it is. Today a dog license was received at the news addressed to John Becker in care of George May. The $1 license was made out in the name of John Becker, Dwayo originator of Fern Rock Road. Under breed of dog was a question mark in the name Dwayo. The tag was forwarded by the county treasurer's office. The treasurer's office, which issues dog licenses, received a letter Wednesday with a typewritten application for a Dwayo license. The name given was that of John Becker of the Fern Rock Road. The application was accompanied by a $1 bill, the cost of a dog tag. The application was approved by the county treasurer. Now, if only someone could catch the elusive dwayo. And after this, with one more article, which I didn't bother including here, as it was really more about the ghostly hound known as the Snarly Owl than the creature it was ostensibly about, the dwayo disappears, having appeared in the press for just over a week. It may have disappeared from print, but not from the public consciousness. Although rumors of previous sightings of a beast named Dway called Dwayo surface from time to time, most if not all of these seem to be hazy recollections of sightings of a creature called the Snallygaster. The November and December 1965 flap remains the origin of the Dwayo name. In the years since, however, several sightings of the creature have surfaced. Someone known only as Jim A. 
met what he thought was the Dueo one evening the next summer. Near Gambrel State Park, he saw an animal that was about the size of a deer, with a triangular head and pointed ears. He said it screamed a few times and had a vaguely crab-like walk, with its legs sticking out sideways from its body, like a lizard's. A young man named Pat Hickey claimed to have witnessed the creature while camping with friends somewhere in the vicinity of somewhere in the vicinity of Frederick in the August of, in August of 1973. And in July 1978, some park rangers in the Catoctin Mountains near Cunningham Falls encountered some sort of hairy bipedal creature, which is sometimes referred to as Bigfoot, sometimes as a dogman. As sightings of dogmen have come into the fore in recent years, since the sightings of the Beast of Bray Road in southern Wisconsin, another sighting was recalled in one of Linda Godfrey's books. This witness said that he and several friends were driving down a back road leading off Route 77, which is the main road leading through the Catoctin Mountains, when they encountered a, a canine creature with a similar profile to a kangaroo's, with strong-looking back legs. Its hind legs were striped, however. Following the Catoctin Mountains northward, into Pennsylvania as well, sightings of both Bigfoot types and dogmen are reported. Still, the original 1965 Dueo incident is widely seen as a hoax, and it very well may be. After all, it's a report made by a guy using a pseudonym, giving an address which didn't exist of an incident which isn't really defined very well at all. But, remember the man in the one previous article who said that the Fern Rock Road did exist? Well, he's, he's technically wrong because Fern Rock doesn't seem to, but there is a Quirrock Road in the western extremes of Frederick County, and in the same area there is a Black Rock Road. So, was Becker's address on one of these roads? Part 2. The Snallygaster Baltimore Evening Sun, November 25th, 1932 Middletown, Maryland, November 25th. The wheels of the section cider presses stopped moving this afternoon when reports rolled down from High Knob that the Bovalopus snallygaster, which appeared here two weeks ago, had fallen out of a persimmon tree and gone on another bender. Awakened by the shock, the beast was said to have spread its water wings, leaped upon its bicycle, and pedaled up the mountain road furiously, giving vent to strange, strange cries. My goodness. It's not my fault, said George C. Roderick, Jr., managing editor of the Valley Register, which has been chasing the beast around these parts for the last two weeks. I didn't start it. It got loose over in Boonesboro. I'm not sure whether it's a bovalopus or a snallygaster or both. I haven't seen it myself. I've only heard about it. Even if I had seen it, I wouldn't be able to tell you what it is. I'm not an expert. I'm waiting until I hear from the National Museum at Washington. The strange, strange beast was seen here Tuesday morning when, according to the Valley Register, Charles F. Main, Middletown ice cream manufacturer, and Edward L. Leiter were frightened nearly out of their wits when the beast suddenly appeared flying over the National Highway toward Catoctin Mountain, near the old White House, just east of Braddock Heights. Both state that the Snallygaster appeared suddenly from the south and was flying not more than 25 feet in the air, which afforded them an excellent view of the monster. For a time, they stated, it appeared that this strange beast was headed directly toward the machine in which they were traveling, but when only about 50 feet from them, it suddenly headed north toward the mountain, thus relieving them of much anxiety. 
Mr. Maine said that the beast changed color several times, at first appearing white and then black. He said that its wing spread appeared to be somewhere between 12 and 14 feet, and that at times it threw out long streamers like the arms of an octopus, but would draw them in again. The two men stated that the description printed of the monster in last week's register fitted exactly the one they saw. They thought the beast alighted in the mountain not far off the National Highway, and after waiting some time, they finally picked up the courage to visit the point where they believed it had landed. When they arrived there, however, all traces of the monster had disappeared. While playing on the North Commons Friday evening, Junior Fulmer and Buddy Holtz report seeing a strange monster flying toward Middletown from South Mountain. The boys, however, did not wait long enough to see in which direction the beast went, for it is needless to say that they both scurried to their homes as fast as their legs could carry them. The monster has also been reported as having been seen in the vicinity of Point of Rocks during the past week. I have not seen the Snallygaster, said R. Austin Stein of Cumberland, in a long letter to the editor of the Register. It seems to me to be of a questionable nature. Mr. Stein added, however, that he remembered the Snallygaster of 1909 and the headless calf that ran the roads at night in the vicinity of Rockville. Boonesboro, Maryland, November 25th. The water-winged, bicycle-riding Bovalopus Snallygaster, which today paralyzed the Middletown Valley cider industry, first appeared in these parts last November 9th. Big as a dirigible, it was flying low, going up and down the mountains, and when last seen, it appeared to be headed toward Harper's Ferry. Since then, however, the strange, strange beast has been reported at Burkittsville, Braddock Heights, Middletown, and Hamburg, which would seem to indicate that the monster is of a restless disposition. C.H. Minnebreaker, publisher of the Boonesboro Times, a weekly paper which gave the strange, strange beast its first press notices on this side of the mountains, was not in his office today. It was rumored that the beast had taken Mr. Minnebreaker for a ride on the handlebars of its bicycle, but persons close to Mr. Minnebreaker denied this. They said Mr. Minnebreaker would be home in time for supper. Camden, New Jersey, Morning Post, November 26, 1932. Middletown, Maryland, November 25th. With the massacre of Thanksgiving fowl safely over for another year, the one-eyed Bovalopus came out of his lair on Catoctin Mountain today, screeched like a locomotive, and attempted to show up the machine age by giving battle to an automobile. You can take it from Charles Maine and Edward Leiter, the creature is a fearsome sight, and they are inclined to believe it might be the same one that appeared in 1909 when hunting parties were organized. Leiter and Maine were riding in their automobile near Braddock Heights when the Bovalopus swooped down upon them. My, my, exclaimed Maine, ducking from the huge bird as it swept against the windshield. Gosh, replied Leiter. Later, Maine described it as, A bird with a big beak, curved like an eagle's, but was bigger than any eagle or buzzard ever gets. It had a wing spread of about 10 feet, and its wings looked like awnings. The thing was a dirty gray collar, and it flew straight for the Catoctin Mountain. We jumped out of the car and followed it, but it flew too fast for us. It had only one eye in the middle of its forehead. That, said Leiter, whose memory encompassed the events of 1909, is unquestionably a Bovalopus. That's no Bovalopus, replied Maine heatedly. That's a Snellagester. You're sure you saw it, inquired Leiter dubiously. Sure I saw it, and I know a Snallagester when I see one. Bovalopus, poo-poo. 
They compromised on calling it a Bovalopus snallagaster and got into their car and came to town. Replying to questions, neither could recall whether or not the Bovalopus snallagaster gave them a comradely, one-eyed wink as it retreated to Catoctin Mountain, perhaps for another 23 years. Washington, November 25th. Dr. William H. Mann, head of the Washington Zoo, scratched his head. Bovalopus, he mused, don't believe I've ever seen one. How about a snallagaster, he was asked. Never seen one. Like to? Sure, like to put one in the zoo. Camden, New Jersey, Morning Post, November 26, 1932. Middletown, Maryland, November 26. The last time Dr. William Mann, curator of the National Museum in Washington, saw a one-eyed snallagaster bovalopus was on his way home from a New Year's party in Havana. I needed one for the zoo, he mourned, but it got away. Which explains why the menfolk of this historical Maryland village are oiling up their flintlocks today. Not since Stonewall Jackson touched not a hair of yon gray head has there been such a martial bustle in this village. The Snallagester Bovalopus is doomed. Just let that thing come out of the brush of Catoctin Mountain, where Charlie Mann and Edward Eddie Leiter saw it disappear yesterday. On its first call, 23 years ago, the Snallagester was, was pursued into the hills, but never found. Maine sat on a counter in his grocery store and told a curious circle of villagers of his terrifying experience. Eddie and I were driving down Braddock Heights Road about 10 a.m. when a big thing with awning wings 20 feet across dove at the windshield, Maine narrated. In the sunlight it looked all bright and shiny like metal, but when the sun was on its back it looked a dirty gray. It had a huge fat body and a beak hooked like an eagle. But it was bigger than any eagle you ever saw. I'm sure it was a snallagaster. Eddie and I chased it, but it flew too fast. Then we came back to the car and sat on the running board. Eddie said it was a bovalopus. I claimed it was a snallagaster. So you can call it a snallagaster bovalopus and it'll be alright with us. Vinaya Halt, 82, of Clevelandville, said the thing must have been a jabberwocky. It was the Jabberwocky that came here in 1902, he said. I saw it. I didn't actually see it breathing fire, mind you, but I understand it did. Shepherdstown, West Virginia, November 26th. The Shepherdstown Register said today that the Middletown Valley Snallagaster Bovalopus attempted to attack three Negroes. According to the Register, the men were taking a shortcut over the mountains when the dread monster swooped down on them. The three men to ran to a cave and piled rocks at the entrance. The Snallagaster Bovalopus pulled several of the rocks away, but was unable to gain entrance, they said. It flew away. Baltimore Evening Sun, December 1st, 1932. It is not often that the same hands which bring a child into being are also the cause of its obliteration, but strange as it may seem, this is exactly what has happened to the Bovalopus Snallagaster which mystified and alarmed residents of the Middletown Valley and the adjoining section of the Frederick Valley, as well as Washington County, for several weeks. Another odd coincidence is that the huge monster came to its end Wednesday afternoon in the same section, South Mountain, in which it made its appearance about three weeks ago to a group of mountain folk, and at the hands of one who in days gone by has caused untold misery and suffering in thousands of homes, in which, it is claimed by many, brought the go-devil into an existence this time, 
after a disappearance of 23 years, John Barleycorn. The Valley Register, a weekly newspaper printed here, will say in its issue tomorrow, according to information received by the Register Thursday morning, the Snowy Gaster was attracted to was attracted to the Frog Hollow section of Washington County, not far over South Mountain from Middletown Valley, by fumes arising from the 2,500-gallon moonshine liquor vat, and this proved its undoing, for just as the monster flew over the large receptacle, it was overcome and fell directly into the mash. Unfortunately for the vampire, the mash was steaming hot at the time, according to our information, and he was almost completely submerged immediately. It is further said that there were five attendants, whose names could not be learned, at the illicit liquor plant at the time the monster arrived, but that none of them waited long enough to witness the fatal ending of the beast. It is also reported that the men have left the state, crossing the Potomac River into West Virginia. It was perhaps well for the moonshiners that the monster appeared today on the scene when it did, or they may have been enjoying a sojourn in the Washington County Jail today. George T. Danforth, in charge of the, ha of the Hagerstown Prohibition Office, accompanied by Agent Charles E. Cushwa, who had received information concerning the Big Moonshine plant, arrived in Frog Hollow early Thursday morning, and much to their surprise, they found the plant entirely abandoned. But imagine our feeling, said Dan Firth to a registered representative, when our eyes feasted on the monster submerged in the liquor vat. With a feeling of trepidation, the two men cautiously made their way to the vat, and according to their own statement, were greatly relieved to find the monster cold in death. A hasty examination by the two agents revealed that the mash had eaten practically all the flesh from the monster, only the skeleton of the beast remaining. This, it was explained, was caused by a large amount of lye which had been placed in the mash in order to hurry up the, the liquor-making process. Without further ado, according to Mr. Danforth and Mr. Kushwa, 500 pounds of dynamite were secured and placed under the vat, with the result that the remains of the great monster were blown into tiny bits, thus ending the career of the go-devil for all time to come. The action of the two prohibition agents will certainly be welcome news to persons residing in the various sections where the beast was seen, for they can now lay down their arms and, and once more enjoy a quiet night's rest. The appearance of the monster, which, by the way, proved to be a large flock of birds flying in mass formation and which at times broke, giving the appearance of octopus arms, not only created much excitement here, but also in both Baltimore and Washington, and the daily papers of the two cities carried big stories concerning the now extinct Bovalopus. Charles F. Maine, Middletown ice cream manufacturer, who together with Edward M. L. Leiter, had an experience with a snowy gaster while on their way home from Frederick Tuesday morning of last week, and who has been bald-headed for many years, today revealed for the first time how he became so. According to Mr. Maine, 23 years ago, when the snowy gaster made its former appearance here, he was driving cattle from Middletown to Brunswick for shipment to Baltimore, and when he neared Petersville just before daybreak, the monster flew so low and so near to him as to cause his hair to stand on end. The swish of the mighty monster's clipper-like wings passed just close enough to actually remove every hair on his head. To this day, Mr. Maine avowed, he has never been able to grow another head of hair. In June of 1900, the Baltimore News reported about a creature called the Brule Spur. The Brule Spur, it was said, 
lived in the Chesapeake and Ohio Canal near the town of Hancock. Quoting Richard J. Hamilton, the paper reported that when shot in the head, it merely blinks an eye, disappears, and sprouts water like a Yellowstone Park geyser. To which Hamilton replied on July 3rd, We never said it. A brule spur is a cousin to the Strollbrugs who live forever. Richard J. Hamilton was the editor of the Hagerstown Mail from about 1890 until 1920. He was also a noted bullshitter. He seems to have quite often invented these sorts of ludicrously named monsters. It should be noted that in his reply, he also names a creature named the Bovalopus, which in addition to one of the alternate names for the Snowygaster used in the above articles, was also a common name given to circus exhibits. In late 1908, a creature called a go-devil made its appearance. The Cumberland Evening Times reported one of the encounters on February 8, 1909, Coincidentally, or perhaps not, in the immediate wake of the Jersey Devil hysteria to the north. The encounter has the feel of a tall tale. When a collared man, who fires a brick-burning kiln, went to look after the fires, he found an immense bat which appeared to be cooling its wings over the outlet of the kilns. When the collared man disturbed the slumber of the beast, it emitted a siren yell which could be heard over a mile, and flapping its wings in anger, the breeze knocked a terrorized negro over a pile of bricks ready for the kilns. Flying away to an immense tub of water used to feed the boilers of the brick plant, it consumed the entire contents of the tub, nearly a hundred gallons, after which it gave a lengthy sigh, which cracked the tub, and in a rasp-like voice uttered something like, My, I'm dry. I haven't had a good drink since I was killed in the Battle of Chickamauga. Not to be outdone by the Cumberland newspaper, Hamilton's Hagerstown Mail reported an encounter on March 6th of that year, and if the Cumberland one felt like a tall tale, this felt like, well, an even taller tale. By this time it was called the Egonaucus, or Schligister, sort of a prototype of Snallygaster, I guess. The story began with a man named Edward Brown, who was sitting on a bench at the Emmitsburg train station. Hearing a terrible noise, he looked over towards some coal bins. A monstrous bird swept towards him, and before he could react, it snatched him up in its claws. Luckily for Mr. Brown, a passing motorist named Bill Snyder grabbed his legs and pulled him out of the creature's grasp. From there, the tale devolves into sheer fiction. Ghost-like wings beat the air, and fire singed the pike. Dreadful bristles stuck from the monster's snout, and its hide was the collar of the underside of a garfish. It looked like a giraffe on roller skates, said Mr. Snyder. Its beak was serrated with great tusks, and between them lay the partially consumed flesh of a collared man nearly putrid. Its snout resembled a silo, and from the corners of the mouth leaked a fluid like melted brimstone. As it passed over Emmitsburg, Deputy Game Warden Norman Hoke showed his badge, and backed up by the full authority of the law, ordered it from the county. He said it had a plate brazed on its fin, which read, Egonaucus. Clarence Fraley loaded a gun with croquet balls and slag and shot at it. John Glass, who was returning from a sale at Bridgeport, where he had purchased a well, threw the newly acquired well at the Schligister with such good aim that he is now minus a few ready-made holes, for the well passed over its huge snout, and when last seen in the woods to the west of Taneytown, it wore it like a nose ring. The remains of a dead black man seen in its mouth 
summons up comparisons with one of the so-called fearsome critters, creatures appearing in tall tales and lumberjack stories. These fearsome critters include such monsters as the Agripelder, the Tripodero, and the Gumbaroo. One of these, an inhabitant of the Everglades, was known to feed almost exclusively on blacks, and this one was known, interestingly, as the Snolligoster. The Snolligoster was described as a monster of enormous proportions and credited with a voracious appetite. Worst of all, its appetite is only appeased by the eating of human beings. In form, the Snolligoster resembles a huge crocodile, but it is covered with long glossy fur and has no legs or fins, excepting one long spike on its back. On the end of its tail are three bony plates much resembling the propeller on a steamboat. These revolve at a terrific rate, driving the animal like a torpedo boat through mud. When a Snolligoster catches an unfortunate piccaninny, or even a full-grown negro, upon which it delights to feed, it tosses the victim up and backwards so as to impale him upon the spike fin, where several may be carried until sufficient for a meal have been collected. The Snolligoster's tail is then driven into the mud and revolved until a hole is scooped out and the victim scraped off the spike and tossed in, whereupon the Snolligoster beats them into batter with its rapidly revolving propeller and inhales them. Snolligoster is also a word used to refer to an unprincipled person, usually referring to a lawyer or politician. The term has been found used in the South as far back as the time of the Civil War, and if this were used here first, I'd be tempted to take a guess at the serpentine Snolligoster, living in the South and feeding exclusively on blacks, might have been a commentary on the Jim Crow laws and the politicians and lawyers that got them passed. None of which has really anything to do with a Snowigaster, but who knows, maybe it does. And that's the end of this episode. As always, a list of sources consulted for this episode can be found in the show description, and photos associated with this week's story will be on my Instagram at Forgotten Darkness. If you have a question, a comment, or if you know a lesser-known story that you'd like to see covered, leave a comment on the podcast page, post to the Facebook page at Forgotten Darkness Podcast, or send it to our email at ForgottenDarkness77 at gmail.com. I'm also on Twitter at Forgotten Darkness Podcast, and you can DM me ideas there. There's links to all these pages in the show description. And so, until next time, this is Andrew, signing off.
This podcast is a part of Straight Up Strange Productions. Discover more shows like this one at straightupstrange.com.